But it's one thing I love more than getting my pitch over the plate. And that is getting over this plate in Casa Ole. It's like a fiesta in Casa Ole. Casa Ole, fresh today, every day. Get a free child's play, we'll use ticket stuff from any Astros game. Casa Ole, fresh today, every day. Casa Ole, Ole! Slim it tight, tight! I'm James, he's Pat. It's episode 42. How many uh, efforts at having like decent, clean audio is this? Is it? Is it three? Yeah, we're not going to get it. I just, no. I, don't, I feel like we don't. We need like our own studio. The distance is, creates the problem, I think. I think that given that it's an Astros podcast, there is every single Astros team ever, even, even the best ones have had some, some sort of internal flaw uh, because they're a deeply flawed franchise. And this, we've, we've just sort of carried that over. And so there will be some sort of flaw. Uh, ours happens to be audio. Yeah, but what's what's more annoying, the echo or like the me breaking out? I don't know. People, I people are like on both sides of it. I don't know. <laughs> it's episode forty-two, the Jackie Robinson episode, which we probably will not talk about. Jackie Robinson. Uh, you want to say something? He nice? wasn't the first black player. He wasn't even the best black player. Uh, n- n- now, now, hold, 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 hold on. What? No, because I, I agree with you on the he wasn't the first black player. That was Moses Fleetwood Walker in like the eighteen seventies, but but wasn't even the the best. I, I, let's t- do we talk about that now or do we need to talk about Bravado Spice real quick? No, well, no, we don't talk about this at all. Number one, we move right past it. And Bravado Spice, you know what? I didn't ask them for anything, so I don't really feel like I owe them anything. Do I owe them anything? I don't. I don't know. I didn't. I didn't ask him for anything this week. Okay. Hey, you know what? Go to bravadospice.com. They keep showing up at the rodeo with their displays, and everybody's buying their sauces, and they're getting all big. And you know what? I don't know why I'm so angry about that. Um, I I like them, so I apologize for. I think I'm mad about this Jackie Robinson stuff. Um. I don't even know what's happening right now, to be honest with you. So <laughs> basically what I want you to do is buy their sauces, eat them, and then tweet us or tweet them as well and, and let us all know what you think because they are legit good. Um, I want to hate them. Like I'm trying to create this rivalry thing because we need sacks of money and yeah. we, we want a bunch of things. But the reality of the situation is that they are actually really, really good and they're nice and we like them, and we don't want any of that to be true. But I'm not going to lie to you on this on this show because um, you know lying leads to uh, you know you know getting a radio show and uh, <laughs> or, or a TV show or uh, I don't know. We don't want it, that. No, it leads to it leads to things, and you trick people, and then all of a sudden you're banned like uh, Tommy Lauren. So uh, <laughs> and then so, you say some racist crap, and so yeah. and. And you find yourself in trouble. So yeah. So after all that, I'm going to bring it back around. So eat some bravado spice. You know, don't uh, don't go on the View, and uh, don't get fired by uh, Glenn, Ble- Glenn Beck, and it'll all be okay. Let's move on to baseball. Okay. So so we it, it's it's Monday night because I had I had something I couldn't get out of last night, which is which sounds cooler than it was. I just I. I 
I was really busy and I, I couldn't like, I, I just couldn't, I couldn't get out of it. So, um, one week from right now, we will be watching the Astros play meaningful baseball. And I tweeted this morning that that, that means that we're seven days from me being like spring stats don't matter uh, and pivoting towards every plate appearance is a matter of life and death. Um, how do you feel? I mean, and, and we'll probably record Sunday night because it's we'll both want to watch opening night for the Astros. Is it, is it a night game or is it another like noon bullcrap start next well, they Monday? Did- I think they're doing. Don't they start working in since they, they played an evening game tonight, which was I guess six o'clock Eastern time. So I, I guess they worked their way into it. I'm surprised they don't do it earlier, to be honest. Like start working their way up into like the daily routine stuff, get into the ballpark at a certain time. Granted, they live there at the moment, but you know what I mean. Like I, I feel like that's a pretty big adjustment, whether you've done it for years or not, to go from playing every day at noon or doing whatever you're doing to going to playing at seven every night that's true you you wake up at six or seven a.m to get ready for a noon start as opposed to you can sleep until 11 or 12 or one uh and and then head up to the ballpark for that i don't know no i was looking at at okay so opening night is a week from tonight 7 10 p.m against seattle which is great because Mondays, given my current employment status like i remember last year they were supposed to play the yankees at like noon I was like, are you, are you kidding? I can't. Like, that's a bad day to take off. And so now that they're playing in the evening, we will likely record episode 43. What are you thinking? That's Sunday night, the night before the season actually opens during uh, ESPN's Sunday Night Baseball Madness or whatever. Um, I, mean, I feel we, we better. Yeah, yeah. Because I'm not, I'm, 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 I love this. I love doing the show, but I'd, I'd really rather watch game one of the 2017 season. Yeah, that that does take precedent over this this show. So, how are you feeling? And may, and again, maybe it's a question for next week. But but we're almost done with spring training. Pretty much everybody is healthy, with one exception, and we'll talk about that in a second. Uh, how are you feeling going into, or, or or at least coming into the last week of spring training? Well, we can start with. It still doesn't matter. But if I want to play the other. If I want to just go the other way with it, um, one of the biggest question marks was Gurriel, and he's leading the team in RBIs and is absolutely killing the ball. He is. So that's something to be encouraged about. Um, and then the the health is is always a thing that we uh, emphasize. So I think all of the hype that we had coming into the season should still uh, should still be there. I, I don't see any reason to think otherwise. Beltran had a great world series world baseball classic um i don't know i there's nothing really bad going on that i can think of that i'm like uh oh yeah no it's true the the only question now that musgrove has been anointed as the fourth starter which i love that move i mean it was it's only logical given McHugh's status well also like and you you brought the tweet up earlier we did talk about this all last year how we needed somebody with change of pace pitchers and we needed somebody that threw hard and they were all the same guy so i love that you tweeted that out earlier yeah no and i i read the article and i want to i want to talk about it with you um really the only the only question mark as far as the 25 dudes on the roster is whether is who is aj hinch gonna pick to be the last arm out of the bullpen and by last arm i mean like the 25th you know the eighth bullpen member 
Is it James Hoyt or is it Jandel Gustave? Who do you think should be that person? Does it matter? Like, how are, are am I creating a discussion point that really doesn't have any legs, or what's going on? Who do you prefer, or do you prefer either of them? Um, I don't think it matters. I I don't care. I mean, I do care, but I think that it's going to be um, a a mix of the guys anyway. He's going to play with it, so I think it's almost inconsequential who he chooses to start because I think it's going to be just a train going back and forth with with those guys. Um, maybe Gustave. Just my preferences. I don't know. I, I I'm pretty indifferent with with those guys. I don't. I honestly don't think it matters, and I think both will uh, get a chance to uh, to come up with the big club. I, I don't know. I don't. Yeah, I, no, think, I, I think it doesn't matter. That's sort of where I mean. They're both interesting stories in and of themselves. Like James Hoyt's a little bit older, but he got a later start to a professional baseball career. I think why because he was a NASCAR racer. I, I, no, is, I, is that not a NASCAR name? It's like, hey, I'm James Hoyt. I'm a turn left a lot. <laughs> the uh, Hoyt's, Hoyt's older, but uh, Gustave throws harder, but has less of an idea as to where the ball is actually going. We'll see, and and you know what? Yes, that is very true. And I will bring it back to the fact that we have six, seven, eight, nine innings kind of in place <laughs> with the way our our bullpen set up. So I. I don't think we. I don't think it matters. I think it, it'd be. It's going to be injury filler or games out of hand type roles. I don't think it. It's just very, very inconsequential. I'll you, be perfectly. Did you, I'll be did perfectly you die? Honest. Sorry, I thought, you, be, I thought I, you died. I had to let my dog in, and I didn't hear like the last fifteen seconds of whatever he said. Here, I'll repeat it for everybody that's listening. Great, which is nobody. Um, no, all I said was that we have pretty much have sixth, seventh, eighth, and ninth inning taken care of. It really doesn't matter. It's going to be filler time, and it's going to be injury or or blowout games. I, I don't think it's important at all, and not to uh, you know not to put a damper on those guys' big league careers, buttoning and all that. But I mean, come on. You know, I I agree to an extent because you know the the major bullpen pieces are locked down. But you can't throw Will Harris every night. You can't throw Gregerson every single night. You, you so there there are going to be two to three, you know, games per week that you just have to let Ken Giles take a breather or or uh, Harris, you know, have us just just take a day off. So I don't want to give up two or three games a week because you know they made a, a piss poor decision coming out of spring training. But but I think you're right. I think it's that I hope these dudes have frequent flyer miles because it's going to be a pretty steady rotation between Fresno and Houston. Yeah, for sure. And and you know what? I, I don't mean that they're set every night. I, I just think that that's in place and the games that they do get a night off, Will Harris isn't coming in if we're up 7 to 3 in the mm-hmm. in the 8th or whatever. So that's when they're going to get their work and and that's kind of why I pers- I uh kind of lean towards Gustave is because he does throw hard. And sometimes, I, I don't know. We've had such lack of velocity for the last few years. I think I have, a, I think I have a, some sort of disease that makes me want guys that, that throw harder just because I'm, such, I'm so tired of the finesse. And, and that's 
it has no merit and it means nothing, but I don't like it. And now we're no, finally no. starting to get it. And it's like, what's that called? It's uh, there's there's something there's some term for it, but I'm not gonna erectile dysfunction. Yes, that is exactly the term I was thinking of. <laughs> um, so I'm gonna ask this question, and not that I I, I have a rundown of questions that I want to ask you and things to talk about that I I managed to not share with you at any point over the course of the last couple of days. Uh, so it's really just for me before I forget. Uh, who do you think is the first Astro to get sent back to Fresno? Ooh. Um, shit, I don't know. That's tough, right? Uh, whoever, Oid <laughs> or Gustave. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, real, real talk, though. Yeah, it's got to be. I mean, it's, you know, the the offense is pretty much set and it's not like they're going to send you know a gaddis down to fresno they they wouldn't have a they, they wouldn't have a backup catcher or dh or whatever role he's going to play that game so it's got to be a pitcher um i'd go i'm i'm with you i'm, I'm with you i'd go hoyt gustave uh or or possibly brad peacock yeah, peacock looked really good tonight by the way, right. just to just to throw up, just to just to throw that in there, but um, but yeah, no, I'm with you on that. No, so so let's talk about Peacock for a second, and and we're the the weirdest Astros podcast that we would talk about Brad Peacock before we talk about like McCullers or McHugh or or Keuchel. but I I do I I feel a little bit bad for Brad Peacock because you know he's sort of he's an out of options guy like the if he if the astros wanted to send him to triple a then he has to go on waivers uh and pass through waivers and, and we, which means 29 other teams would have to be like no nah, we couldn't use Brad Peacock on our team before they could send him down to Fresno to get stretched out as a starter or whatever do you think that Brad Peacock could start for another team in the majors yeah Absolutely. Do you think that Brad Peacock would rather start for another team in the majors than be subjected to long relief and sort of uh, spot start duty? Of course. Who wouldn't? So you, can't blame Astros- him for, you can't blame him for that. No, I feel bad for him too. But of course, I mean, of course he would. Why? Why would he want to just teeter around and hover in uh, the purgatory of? mediocre baseball um peacock has some some life left in his arm like why not go get it go pitch for cincinnati or i'm just throwing random cities out there i don't know no that's hilarious but go but like go like go go pitch go go be number three in the rotation and uh shit i don't know somewhere bad no, it's funny that you mentioned Cincinnati because that's what I was thinking of. Like Scott Feldman, who the Astros basically were like, please leave. You know, he's going to be the Reds' opening day starter this season, and he couldn't. He he wasn't as good as as maybe you know what eleven other possible pitchers on the Astros. So my question is, as far as Brad Peacock and the Astros are concerned, are the Astros like the crazy girlfriend that? They don't know what to do with him, but they don't want anyone else to have him. Like, why not? If like, why not just put him through waivers and see what happens? And if he gets a better option, like, go. Like, it, it is 
are the Astros being unreasonable with how they use Brad Peacock, or is it is it cool? It's that's how baseball works. No, I I I I think that they they look at him as a somewhat of an asset, and he's yeah, they're being a little bit weird with it. They're they're kind of like the possessive ex <laughs> or the in limbo guy that's like, no, you can't talk to anybody else. But it's I mean, it's not like Peacock is can't be productive. And, and I think it would be premature to just send him off to let him fulfill his dreams. If you think that he does have value for this club out of the bullpen, that Peacock is a perfect long relief type guy. And that may be some sort of indication that uh, Devo has a, uh, they have a different role in mind for him, maybe stepping in a start. I don't know. I think this team, what they do differently from Astros teams of the past are planned for all sorts of different circumstances and I think Peacock kind of limbos in in that plan a little bit, and he's just good enough to. Uh, well, he's made the roster, roster, so he made the team. So obviously, he's not a a waste or a a guy that we should just let run free like a wild horse in the in the uh, plains. What the hell <laughs> kind of weird thing was that? I watched Dancing with the Wolves, <laughs> but Tatanka. But if if Peacock had an option left, do you think he'd be in Fresno in in? chilling out, getting ready for his season in AAA, and somebody else would be in his spot. Like, I think he's a he's sort of a, a slave to the – we if we put him through waivers, he's going to get claimed, and we're going to lose out on whatever value he has. Therein lies the rub. Yeah. But I'm honestly, I'm okay with, with Brad Peacock using every outing as an audition for 29 other teams. Yeah, and, and anything that he does that adds value, and, and that could be what it is, too. They're just using him as a pawn, which is terrible and awful. But if it uh, results in a trade later on or something that happens and he pitches well and we score some deal at the trade deadline that he's involved in because he pitched well, oops, I guess it worked. Yeah. He gets what he wants, we get what we want, I guess. Yep. Okay, so now that we've addressed uh, James Hoyt and Jandel Gustave and Brad Peacock before we've talked about any major major players uh, that can throw a ball very hard and with some semblance of accuracy, how are you feeling about the rotation with McHugh out for the foreseeable future? It's still pretty good. I'm used to guys being out. It's kind of, I mean, it's so stupid because it's, when have we had our rotation? I don't even remember. So, uh, mm, I mean, I, I want McHugh in there. Um, I I love the way he pitches, and I think he's in, very important to our future, especially this year. Um, but at the same time, uh, I mean, when have when when do we not have some guy out or something's wrong? So I, I'm not I'm not used to actually having our rotation. So whatever at this point. Do you think it's weird that McHugh waited until he got to spring training to say, like, hey, I can't raise my arm above my shoulder, or it hurts to wash my hair? Like, is is there anything to that, or is that just kind of how it goes as you ramp up for spring training? Like, how do you feel about, you know, he, he got, he, he made it through his arbitration hearing with everybody apparently thinking everything was fine, and then he gets to spring training. Is like, oh wait, I have a dead arm. I can't. I'm three weeks behind everybody. How do you feel about that? Well, that sounds like the Keiko School of Trump University. Honestly, 
Well played, Colin. Well played. That's what that sounds like. That sounds but, like, let me get through arbitration. Let me handle this. And, oh, and Dallas is like, hey, man, don't say shit. <laughs> we should subpoena their text messages. Yeah, no, no, this was very calculated, and I respect them for it because I would do the same thing because I'm trying to uh, to get minds. But, Everybody um, would. But uh, you know what? It, 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 it's somewhat disconcerting. From a from a fan and uh, you know an outsider standpoint, but hey, man, get yours. <laughs> but well, and of course, but also we get healthy know, as well. We don't know when the dead arm period started, but but it is. I mean, who wouldn't? You know, just for for an example, like I had my my first year of teaching. You know, it was we have a teacher evaluations and whatnot, and and I knew it was going to be in like a two week span. And I was sick and I, I got to the parking lot of school and I, and at that point I realized like I shouldn't be here. Like I'm too, I am too sick to, to even be here. So what they were working on is a project where they could work in groups. It's the, you know, the teacher, you know, I want to read a bunch of weird stuff and get paid to do it. But I had them and I got them started on a project and, and I was like, and look, I feel like I'm going to die. So I'm just going to be back in the corner at my desk, like chilling out. And if you have any questions, let me know. And if you can come to me, that'd be great. But if I need to try to stand up and walk over to you, that's fine too. And, and, and of course, during like the worst part was when I had my official teacher evaluation and I gutted it out and didn't mention anything about being sick. And, and of course I was drained afterwards. Like, I feel like that's sort of, but on a, a level where the money aspect is, exponentially more for Colin McHugh than it was for me. You do what you have to do to get to exactly what you said to get yours. And, you know, hopefully enough ibuprofen cures your dead arm. Yeah. Dead arm, dead arms, never good, but also we also don't know the whole story. So I, I kind of, it's fun to, to chop it up on here and to speculate and to do all that, but that's really not fair to anybody involved because, mm-hmm. um, you know, you and I are getting a little bit older. So mm-hmm. I've, I've awakened, awokened, awoke. I don't know what the right word is, but I've gotten so woke. up. So woke. I've gotten up and I, my leg just doesn't work right <laughs> for literally no reason. Um, or just I've had like Charlie horses all day. Where my leg, I mean, just stuff happens. So <laughs> eat a banana, so maybe, Pat. Damn. Well, no, I'm not going to. Um, uh. They turn brown too fast. Um, <laughs> no, but so we don't know. Maybe his arm just went dead. Maybe I mean, even, <laughs> we don't know the story. Maybe he, you know, tripped on the stairs and fell against his shoulder on the. I don't know. I'm just saying we we like we like to speculate on everybody's up to no good and they're being mischievous and sometimes just shit doesn't work oh yeah no the whole the whole like talk radio blogger podcast game is to assume that you know absolutely all the information that's available and we and how, what percentage of actual what's the percentage do you think that, that the public or that we actually know is it Two percent? Is it ten? Is it twenty-five? Like, how much of the real uh, story do, does the average fan actually know? Ooh, I'd say. Well, with coverage and people on it, I, I'd probably put it around twenty percent, and, yeah. and and that's being maybe a little bit generous. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if literally everybody in the organization knew about Colin. 
And it was just something that wasn't told to any of us or any of the beat writers or reporters. Like, AJ knew, everybody knew. Wouldn't be surprised, because he was chopping it up with McCullers on the spin rate interview. He's having a good time. That's not... uh, that's not how a guy who's hiding something I don't I don't know. I feel like they know and we don't. And reporting is good enough to where we know enough to maybe create our own narrative and that's what we do pretty much. Do you think that the the that Hinch will go to like McTaggart or Jake Kaplan and say, "Look, you can't write about this, but just background for future information." Um Correa sprained his ankle rounding first the other night, and he's going to be at like 70% for the next week or so. And if I can give him a few days off, then I will. And here's what I want you to write about it. Do you think that goes on, or do you think McTaggart knows exactly what Hinch and Luno and whoever else want him to know? I think it's maybe a combination of both. I'm very fascinated with the -the off-the-record type reporting i love uh, i mean I, and, I, and i'm coming off of movies and stuff but i love or tv shows or whatever but i love um you know i'm obsessed with the west wing and there's a bunch of you know white house reporters that will ask questions but then they can talk about it candidly off the record but neither they, they can't say anything because it's off the record and i would love to know how much is said off the record of stuff like that. Like, hey, man, this is what the deal is. You can't say anything. This is off the record, but this is what's happening, and this is what the deal is. I don't know about telling them what they can write, but you're clearly telling them what they cannot write, and I love that. I hope it like, yeah, happens and, a lot. And, and how many times do you think like a, the quote-unquote a source with the knowledge of the situation is actually – AJ Hinch or Luno or Kevin Goldstein or Sig Meidel or whatever. They, 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 there's a story that they, or, or there's an, not a narrative, but a, 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 an aspect of the story that they want to get out. But it can't be like Luno said McHugh's been hurting since November, you know, the, which nobody's ever said that. But how much, how, much of, how much of the source, the anonymous sources are actual Astros team officials? Um, I think uh, when it comes to free agency, when it comes to trades, I think a lot of it. I think that they, uh, I know in other sports that, especially the NFL, like part of the game is leaking sneaky stuff and leaking leads on teams and, uh, you know, upping the price and all sorts of stuff. So I would not be surprised if um, for organizational transactions that it's coming directly from the source and they just say, hey, you can't, it's anonymous, you can't say who it is, but I just got off the phone with the, the Cleveland Indians, and we're, we're talking about this. So I, I'd, I'd say just then, I don't think they'd comment on arbitrary nonsense bullshit. Well, and this is, this is an unplanned segue, which is the best segue, but, but my, my next question to you was going to be about the rotation and do you still want Jose Quintana? And I, I feel like every Quintana update is actually coming from the White Sox because they actively want to trade him. Um, where, you know, they're, they're like, the Astros are still involved. And so Rosenthal goes to his computer and submits a story about how the Astros are still involved on Quintana. But the only source that they, they're talking to is, is the White Sox. Do you... Did you ever want Quintana, or do you still want Quintana? Do you think the Astros are that caliber of pitcher away from being seen as legitimate contenders? 
I, you know what? I'm I'm torn on this because Quintana's a great pitcher. I don't want to I don't want to slight him, but at the same time, I I have to see the entire deal on the table before I I make a judgment on. Oh hell yeah, I want Quintana. Well, what are we giving up for him? Because he is not somebody that I'd like to give up the future for. I don't think he's that good. I know he's had legitimate ace stuff for the last couple of years. I, I know he's a good pitcher, so I don't want people to take this the wrong way. I just he's not Clayton Kershaw. He's not somebody that you literally give whatever you whatever they want to get this guy. Um and I don't think he's I mean I don't know. Do you think it drastically changes everything with Quintana? I, I he's really good and and again, I don't want this to come off as a slight. I just don't necessarily think we need him with the lineup that we have. If if McHugh comes back healthy and we have the rotation as is, I don't think we need him at, at this juncture in time. And the season hasn't started yet. I think you have to take a long-term view. And you've got Keuchel, who's what, 29? You've got McHugh, who is, what, 30? You've got Fires, who's getting up there. Musgrove's young. Uh, McCullers is young. Charlie Morton is hoping to catch lightning in a bottle. And it's pretty clear that the that the White Sox want both Francis Martes, Frankie Tuesday, as he shall forever be known, and, and Kyle Tucker plus pros, uh, higher level prospects. Oh, I so think, you mean like every number one ever? No. Like, f- fuck off, Chicago. No, it starts the the everything that I've read since October or November or whenever the rumor started was that a, a, a deal for Quintana begins and ends with uh, or, or or begins with Martes and Kyle Tucker, and in on a team where you've got Nori Aoki in your outfield, you've got Jake Marisnik who is terrible, and George Springer who's getting up there. He Springer's what twenty six. He's got another contract in him. You need Kyle Tucker. You need Francis Martes, and trading both of those guys in positions where you need some. And I know there's Derek Fisher, and we, and we can play the prospect game all day long. But there's a reason that there's a reason that the Astros would hold on to both Martes and Tucker, and. and it, if if it was a slam, I think if it was a slam dunk deal that made sense both short term and long term for the Astros, they already would have traded for him. So at this point, I'm like, let's see in July if the you know if they need someone like Quintana, or could they swing a deal for maybe a less heralded pitcher if they can capture the magic of Colin McHugh with another pitcher that they see something that no one else sees. And and let's go from there. So at this point, I'm okay. I as much as I want another another frontline starting pitcher, the White Sox want to recreate the Chris Sale deal where they swung for the fences and hit a grand slam, getting Sale to Boston for what they got for him. So I, at this point, I'm okay with with holding on to Tucker and Martes. Yeah, I don't, we're not biting on that. I don't. I I, I don't think that. I, I I don't think that's even in the realm of possibility. I, I think you summed it up perfectly saying that if there was a deal to be done with those guys, it would have been done. 
So we're not buying that. Now that could change, like you said, come trade deadline, and depending on where the you know the division race falls or wild card or whatever happens, uh, you know sometimes your hands force if you're trying to go and win it. But um, I don't think that there he I don't think he's worth it. Um, I'd like to see the potential of Tucker and uh, Frankie Tuesday realized before I come see bringing him in with a yeah. line, with a lineup like this. That you know could potentially score ten runs a game. I don't know. You you yeah. don't know. I, I I don't think it's as crucial as as it was. Um, not to say that I'm against it. I just don't. Uh, I just don't. I don't know. I don't want to give up anything price. for this guy. Too high a price. It's not worth it. It's not. Uh, it's not Verlander. It's not Max Scherzer. It's not. So, it's not somebody that I'm willing to give up future for. Would you have done it for sale? Uh, I would have considered it for sale. Yeah, and considered it. So that's how good I consider both of these guys. Uh, and I think uh, old Frankie Tuesday has some real A plus potential. So I, I really would love to see that realized with our club. And I know that's not always the case, but um, I don't know. I I just don't like Chris Sale, so that could be part of it too. I just he's just a dick. Is it the cutting up of the uniforms he didn't want to wear? Yeah, like what? Like, what is he? What are you all emo now? What are you listening to? Fucking <laughs> My Chemical Romance. Yeah, you listen to My Chemical Romance and just <laughs> cutting up jerseys and cutting yourself and growing bangs out. Like Chris Sale, what are you doing? Fucking wearing eyeliner out there. Like what are you doing, Chris? Sale? Emo Chris Sale. Stop cutting shit. <laughs> um. All right, let's talk about this briefly before I start asking you questions that you don't want to answer. Um. So the something that you and I talked about multiple times early on in the 2016 season was the question of were the Astros starters too similar in that were they finesse dudes that threw high 80s, low 90s, locate their spots and and do that at three days in a row, especially while McCullers was out. And so the Hardball Times, uh, which is sort of, they're not an extension of Fangraphs, but they have a partnership. And the Hardball Times is a fantastic website. They do a lot of more, it's more cerebral, it's a lot of number stuff, but it's a a very valuable website. Uh, One of their writers, whose name I cannot remember, uh, took on this question and compared it to other rotations and... And, and did a deep dive into the numbers and ultimately said, no, there's, there's, there are way too many factors that go into, into a starting pitcher, arm slot, release point, spin rate, what stuff, you know, do what's their, what's their secondary stuff. Can they switch it up enough to where, you know, the, the 89 mile an hour fastball is offset by a, 32 mile an hour changeup that you can throw for a strike, which nobody could ever do. Um, do just on, on the surface have, and they've done way more math on this than, than we do. Are you okay with that, uh, conclusion or, or do you take a little bit of an issue in that if, if you've got guys that their main stuff is, is high eighties, you can, after maybe your second time through seeing him, you know, and, and you do that two or three games in a row, you can you can square that up pretty easily. Like, where do you fall, knowing that someone has done some math and said, "eh, it's a little more complicated"? 
What do you think? Well, I mean, it is complicated, and I don't want to say that that they're not right in that because, you, yeah, every pitcher is different, and every velocity change and pitch they throw is going to spin differently and come in at a different mile per hour. But I think the point that that we were trying to make it, and at least myself, was that if they nobody throws hard, nobody's on their toes. So I think that what you just said, there is an easier adjustment period because you're not having to sit on that 95-plus fastball that throws everything else off. If you can square up the fastball at any time, then you can adjust and hit an off-speed pitch. So if we have nobody throwing plus stuff, then, yeah, it may be different, but what's a 90-mile-an-hour fastball and an 85-mile-an-hour change? And What's the difference? I, 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 I just don't buy into it. I, I think that they were all very too similar, and you need some guys that, that throw hard just to, just to switch shit up. And that could be very... Uh, rudimentary in my thinking i just i i think it's important that you have different kinds of pitchers to just keep people on their toes because keeping you on your toes and guessing is you know half the battle in pitching yeah no i i I agree and and i respect the the effort that the hardball times put into it but i i don't know i not having done it and not having played like an inning of competitive baseball since I was like, I don't know, seven years old. Like part of me understands the, it's more complicated than you think and we'll counter with, but it actually might be more simple than you think argument, which doesn't do anybody any good other than be combative and oppositional and petulant. So whatever. Yeah. I mean, I cool article. (laughs) I'm glad they did it. I mean, I, I'm glad that, that they brought it up because not that it lends validity, not that we need validity. We're valid, whatever. But but I, I'm glad that they took a look at it. So we can agree, disagree with their findings. I mean, we're not. I'm not going to argue with math, but that's why I teach history because it's way more subjective. Yep. Smart. Very smart. All right. So... So sort of circling back around to uh, Quintana and Frankie Tuesday uh, and Kyle Tucker, my question for you is, as we get into the more uh, 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 more debatable topics, which prospect that the Astros acquired over the course of the entire rebuild? All right, so we're talking all the way back to like, the Berkman trade, the Oswalt trade, the Hunter Pence trade, uh, which prospect did the Astros bring in that you were absolutely sure was going to turn into a productive major league baseball player, if not like a legendary baseball player? <laughs> That's funny. I, none of them. I don't know. I don't, I'm not real big on prospects just because of the fail rate. And I know that's an easy out on this question. I just, there was nobody, literally nobody other than, Correa is the only anointed god of the, uh, he's going to be great, I know it. He's literally the only one. There's nobody else where I'm in like, okay, we'll see. Like, no, I, I don't, mm. I don't believe in prospects. I just don't, they all fail. So why would you not trade for Quintana? Because there's potential. 
<laughs> because there's that thing. There's that. I don't want to give. I don't want to give it up. Don't don't let her date him. Um. Yeah. No. I. I there's just nobody that I'm completely sold on. Um. But that doesn't mean that I think that they're all bad. I just don't think that a prospect is a prospect. And how many number one overalls fail? A lot of them. Number first round picks fail. It just happy. It just happens. So you look at intangibles. You look at what they do, and you look at potential. And I, I don't know. Well, why don't like? Can I throw it back at you? What is who did? Who's your end all be all of prospects? I was one hundred percent sure that Brett Wallace was going to be the answer at first base. I didn't like his body type. Was it was it the the rotundness? Was it the squatty legs? Was it the questionable perm? Yeah, I just didn't. I just didn't like the way he looked. Just I had a problem <laughs> with it, and I don't know what it was. Um, I wasn't sold on him, and it had nothing to do with his skills as a baseball player. Um, you know what? I'll uh, Singleton was up there for me. I thought Singleton was a uh, a potential superstar. Yeah. I thought Cozart would be. I was I was very excited about the entire Hunter Pence trade. Like I thought, I thought Singleton was going to be good. I thought Cozart was going to be really good. Um, I was. I thought Domingo Santana was going to be good, and he could still. It's weird that Domingo Santana, who was essentially like the player to be named later, could turn out to be the most productive major leaguer. Out of those four dudes, oh, Josh, for Josh sure. Zide was the other. For sure, Domingo Santana's got. Uh, uh, I'm a big fan of his. Did the Astros pull the plug too early? I mean, you saw it with JD Martinez. JD Martinez, all that dude ever did in the minors was hit. And and I know I, I have talked to someone in the Astros organization that said the decision to waive JD Martinez will haunt them for the rest of their professional baseball lives. Like they probably won't be like 80, you know, in a nursing home and think, ah, JD Martinez. But as far as like their baseball career is concerned, the decision to to just cut JD Martinez will that's going that's going to sting. Where was I going with that? Um I don't know, but that's that is part of the that's the downside of depth. Is that you have to make we're, tough choices? And, were the uh, Astros that deep in two thousand? No, no, no. Thirteen, but, but they were loose on the trigger, and they were ready to let loose of anybody. Oh, and, that, that and, was un, all right. Yeah, and, and unload you're, anybody. You're JD Martinez was killing the ball when he was up here. He'd come in and he'd be like, he would hit home runs. I loved JD Martinez, um, and I think a lot of Astro fans did as well. Um, you can't say that he, but didn't. I, but I wasn't. But the way we were acting at the time. No, literally everybody was on the table, and I wasn't surprised at all. I was like, "Okay, yeah, JD Martin, yeah, why not?" We were unloading salary, we were unloading literally everything. So it is what it is. It, I, I still, I feel like the Astros were like, "Okay, we have so many guys that might be able to play. You've got a month to figure it out." And and as long as I live, you know, letting JD Martinez go, given the woes that the Astros had in their in the out, they paid Colby Rasmus. God love him, the Possum Army forever. They paid him sixteen million dollars last year, and that's more than they'll pay Carlos Beltran this year. And that's 
16 times what they will pay both a combined Correa and Bregman this year. Like the, the yeah, I, uh, yeah, I understand that. But also look at 2015, Colby Rasmus, and tell I'll me look at October not, 2015. Tell, tell me he's not wasn't worth that for the one year. Um, with a team coming off a promising playoff run with the potential to make another one with the same team, young team coming back with no, with no salary. I mean, you, you pay him that. I, ha- I have no problem with that one year deal, but I, no, I, no, get, I, I get what you're saying. No, I, yeah, no, I don't either. But, but I feel like the, the, you know, the Astros, they had so many guys that they thought, all right, we need to give this dude a shot. Like you've got a month to figure it out. And if you figure it out, awesome. And if you don't, we're going to move on. Like there's a little bit of pressure that comes with that. But, and, and as, as, like I said, as long as I live, I, I will regret the Astros getting rid of J.D. Martinez. But he had plenty of chances. Like, oh, I for mean, sure. So it, it, maybe that's the classic like change of scenery situation where he just needed to, you know, the, the pressure mounted, mounted, mounted. And he got to a different organization that was like, hey, man, it's, the, it's Carlos Gomez where we want you to carry this offense and really what you're probably better suited as is someone that the spotlight's not on. And once you get that pressure off of you, then you're going to flourish and then we'll count on you. But the Astros didn't have that luxury in 2013, 2014. No. Okay. Okay. So say we keep JD Martinez. Tinez. Is he on this team? What does he do on this team? Can he make this team? No. If he has a 900 OPS, yeah, he'll make that team. Who? Over who? who, who I mean, what if, if everything's done the same and J.D. Martinez is here, and I, I don't know what he did last year. I can't throw that out there, but I, he's he's just not part of the big picture. I, I don't know. He's He's been an 800, 900 OPS guy for three seasons now at least, maybe, maybe three and a half. So if J.D. Martinez comes up and hits like the Tigers' J.D. Martinez, then you don't give you don't give the deal to Colby Rasmus. You don't sign Colby Rasmus in the first place. You don't sign Nori Aoki. Like he's your left fielder. Okay, yeah, I'm with that. That's okay. Yeah, that works. But but I think I think it took going to Detroit for J.D. Martinez to turn into J.D. Martinez. Does he hit right behind Miguel Cabrera? I don't. I don't know. Because that would be uh, quite uh, advantageous. I was really hoping that the Astros were going to pull off some surprise move for Cabrera. What? Uh, it, That'd it, be it, the most amazing thing. I'd I'd celebrate in the streets over Miguel Cabrera. It, I, I don't I care would, if he's seventy years old. I will take Miguel Cabrera. Can hit three fifteen at sixty five in his sleep. I would see, and and I have a, a a sadly I have a history of this. Like some something awesome would happen, and then like a minute later, I would come to my senses and I'd be totally naked, and and that's happened at football games. That's happened not like in public, but it's happened in my living room watching football games. It's happened in soccer games where I just sort of lose it, and I and by the time I come to my senses, I've I've taken all my clothes off. This is very strange. I'd I'd like to move past it. (laughs) It didn't happen on Friday night. Uh, because of the United States men's national team. Oh my God, that was the greatest uh, thing I've ever watched. Because I didn't get Suck to see the first talk. half. Oh, did, oh, it's so amazing. So I saw all the highlights, and I've read as many think pieces as I possibly can. But 
we'll we'll table that because I want to I want to keep talking I want to keep talking baseball fine. before we get to fine. how awesome leads. But everybody tonight. everybody clamors for the uh, the soccer stuff. They love it. We might I actually know. pull in some some new listeners because we're willing to throw in English Championship soccer talk plus whatever trash team you like. The God Christian Pulisic. Oh man. <laughs> um. Okay, so so here's here's my question on piggybacking on the, the question I asked like 15 minutes ago. Uh, what current prospect do you have the most faith in that will turn into a productive Major League Baseball player? Um, I'm gonna go. Uh, Frankie Tuesday's got to be up there. Mm-hmm. Um, that I, that he has the potential. Um, and I, you know, it's it's both those guys. I really love Kyle Tucker. Um, I'm trying to think who else do you, what do you think about Derek Fisher? Uh, I think he's got a short window and if he can capitalize on it, then, then he stands to make uh, a decent amount of money in the majors. What about Colin Moran? I think Colin Moran's in the, in the boat of he's auditioning for 29 other teams. Yeah. See, all those guys have that that thing where they can potentially go anywhere and be superstars. And I hate that looming over us, but I mean, if you're not going to prove it and you're not going to take care of business on the field here, then, and you happen to go somewhere else and it clicks. I mean, I can't be mad, but I hate no. knowing that they're here, knowing that they have it. Like Moran, what's he like? He's a giant dude. He's like, yeah, has all the intangibles, but just can't put it together. But like you said before, I, I fully believe in the change of scenery thing. I think it, I don't know what kind of mental aspect or what kind of psychology it actually is, but it, it happens with in literally every sport that it just doesn't work somewhere and it's a change of scenery. They go there and all of a sudden it's like, oh, where was this? Well, and, you know, I think there's a difference now. You know, if Colin Moran goes somewhere else because he was blocked by Bregman and he has a productive major league career, I think you can look back and be like, well, they're not going to choose Moran over over Bregman. Or, or you know, they're not going to pick A.J. Reed over a productive Ulieski Gurriel. Like, I think it's different than before where J.D. Martinez, I don't even know who the Astros played in 2013 over J.D. Martinez, which is not a good thing, and it sort of reinforces my point. But Martinez turned into a superstar, and I'd say that Martinez is a top 30 outfielder. I Top 30? Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd put him up there. I, I wouldn't call him a superstar, but I'd call him a star. He's a, he, is a, he is an extremely productive major league outfielder, and the Astros haven't had, outside of Springer, Rasmus for a month, you know, the, that, that's, that was a, that was a decision that turned out to, to not be the best without, you know, and again, given that Martinez had plenty of opportunities to had plenty of plate appearances, not like they gave him 20 plate appearances or like hit 300 or you're getting cut, you know, that he had, he had hundreds of plate appearances to, to sort of figure it out. And he figured it out somewhere else where, they had a different approach to him and whatever. But it's but if Colin Moran goes somewhere else because the Astros traded him because he was blocked by Bregman, then whatever. You know, good for good for Colin Moran. I'll take Bregman over Colin Moran. 
No, so, I, yeah, no, I agree with that. But what? Okay, so back to JD Martinez. What level of him flying under the radar in Detroit, which he still is, given his numbers are crazy. Um, he's still not this superstar that he actually is on paper when you look at the numbers. If J.D. Martinez goes to the Yankees or the Red Sox, I don't know if he performs the same. And, I, and I'm, I'm just throwing that out there. Oh, that I, could I be think the case. where he's sitting there in, uh, in the outfield in Detroit, kind of uh, a weird market. Um, not a bad baseball team, just a weird market. I think it's perfect for him. No, it's, yeah, I mean, he, he doesn't have to be the, the face. That's Miguel Cabrera. That's Justin Verlander. That's Victor Martinez. That, you know, he, he can sort of be the third or fourth guy that just happens to hit 280 with decent pop and plays decent defense. But that's what he did all throughout the minors. I don't know. We could spend a long time. We need to have Goldstein back on. Well, those and, are, yeah, have, I, I'd love to have Goldstein back on because those were uh, turbulent years, and I think there was so much going on that uh, maybe he was just one that got lost in the shuffle. And I hate to you know throw him in that kind of with that term, but it, it, there was a lot going on with uh, with moves that those years. I don't know. Well, I mean, you know, and and even. Every now and then, I think it's funny to to retweet like three year old tweets from like Jeff Passan from Yahoo Sports, where the Astros had engaged like Matt Dominguez in a long term deal or uh, Robbie Grossman in a long term deal, like and and like five six years, you know, nineteen million dollars or or even more, you know that there there was just so yeah you're right there was so much going on and the Astros were kind of trying to do what the Rays did to Evan Longoria, where they signed him for six years and $15 million, which is laughable in the current state of baseball economics. That There was just so much. They're trying to figure out potential versus future value that, that we don't even fathom the type of algorithms that go into making that kind of deal. Yeah, this is Will Hunting on the blackboard type shit. Like These, exactly. are, these are just algorithms With that pl- we don't even know. And I... And though I would never understand it, I'd love to hear just some of the metrics and shit that they were using to to come up with some of this stuff. Because it had it had to be crazy and advanced, and there had to be some sort of uh, methodical plan involved. Because clearly, what they did worked, or is working, um, yet to be put, you know realized to its full potential. But they there was something to it, and I think that's pretty fucking cool. Yeah. You know, everyone talks about the magical 2012 draft with Correa and and McCullers, but you know the Astros just traded away uh, to uh, I guess it was last night or yesterday evening. You know, Tyler Heineman, the eighth round pick catcher out of UCLA, just traded him for like cash considerations. Like to have a really good draft, you need to have two, how many players? Two, two that are two. that are actually solid major leaguers out of out of when you pick 40 or 50 guys understanding that you're 30 through 50 50th round pick you know it's whatever you get is great but two guys you know to get to get Correa and McCullers out of that draft that scene I mean, we hold that up as like the gold standard of of drafts. It's such a crapshoot. That sums everything up. That's what I'm saying. It's like there's yeah, there's no who knows. I don't care what kind of potential you have. You you might not be able to pitch the big league level. You might be uh Steve Nebraska, but like 
like before he overcomes the panic attack, like that guy, you just can't, you have all the stuff in the world and you just can't do it. So I, I don't know. I, it's the major league baseball draft is an absolute crapshoot. Um, so many guys can play, but to play at that level and with the pressure is a whole different thing. And you can't to play at there's that no level. Me, with, there's no metrics or calc, you can't calculate that. To play at that level with the pressure, but also have an oppor- have the opening for an opportunity at the major league level. Like if you're a second baseman in the Astros organization, you got to be thinking like, well, crap. Do I learn how to play? center do i yes, learn how to play you left switch field? positions immediately i do i start throwing knuckle curves i start catching <laughs> i i start coaching i start doing all sorts of different things base <laughs> third base coach i'm waving players in i will do everything yeah so yeah so there it's 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 a combination of luck talent potential and circumstance and it's that's how insane it is to become a star major leaguer i mean it's such it, a a random hurricane of confluence that that where you actually get an opportunity and take advantage of your opportunity to be in the majors for any length of time whatsoever. It's crazy. Like I mean that's why that's why I love the Bregman story so much. He made the Astros play him. Yeah. All right, so let's save let's save predictions for next Sunday night on the eve of opening of opening day. Uh, I'll save some of these questions. That includes your challenge. I mean, you will not have a challenge this evening. Oh, okay. Having performed admirably, the last, very admirably, the last well, I mean, two I challenges. I am on a baseball podcast. I think people need forget that I, I'm not just doing this because I'm some a-hole. <laughs> like, I do, I do, like, pay attention. That's true. So let's get to, I picked out three questions, and I apologize if you've sent in uh, a, a better question since... I picked these three. So uh, at Astros guy, who is a very good follow Love on that Astros guy. Twitter, great guy. He asks, "My son plays on his." Uh, I'm going to reword it to enhance drama. Enhance drama. Apparently, my son plays for the Cardinals on his little league team. Do I let him have a favorite NL team, and are the Cardinals okay? Well, that's a resounding no. Um, well, okay, it's a it's a two parter. Um, yes, you can have a favorite NL team, but there are teams that are banned, and St. Louis happens to be the number one band. That's uh, that's ISIS. That's Al Qaeda. Um, yeah. that is they're ran by Assad. They are <laughs> not the best. That's Putin. That's I'm just throwing everything at everything political. That's Trump. That's literally everything. That's everything bad. He cannot like the Cardinals because he plays for them. I played for the the Indians. Um, let's see, I played for the Tigers, the Mets. Um, never became a fan of any of them. I just played for that team and wore that uniform proudly on that that little league field. You don't become fans of that team. See, I asked him, and then I we started doing this before I could check to see if he if he'd responded. But I asked him like, "How old's your son?" Because if he's like five. Or six, like that's it's unlikely that he that he's gonna play on his like t-ball team with the Cardinals jersey, little league jersey on, and and be a fan for the rest of his life. But if if he's young enough that that having a team gets him interested in baseball and nurtures a love for the game that he can sort of mature into and make his own decisions, and of course his own decision would be being an Astros fan. Then, then I'm okay with if the Cardinals are the gateway drug to appreciating baseball and enjoying baseball. 
as an Astros fan. Now there's there's, the, rule, there's rules. Like for for instance, I um. But I, if he's like 13 and is no, it doesn't it out. matter what age. I think that it needs to be set. It needs to be set in stone from an early age. I uh, I was house sitting at my ex wife's house while she went out of town and watching my daughters this weekend, and there was a Cubs hat on her uh, bathroom counter, and I was like, hmm. Paige, what the hell is this? And <laughs> later come to find out that her her younger twin boys, not involved with me, are uh, playing on the Cubs, and it was just a Little League thing. And I was like, thank God, because you have the, the devil's hat in your bathroom, and I was very concerned about this. And I, all I got back was an LOL, which meant like, meant like fuck you. But, um, <laughs> but I, I, I felt I, I cared enough to send the text to be like, why is this Cubs hat in your bathroom? What is this? Yeah. What is this? So I, I don't know. I believe uh, teacher kids, and yes, they make their own choices. And if they if they come to choose the devil, then let them run with the devil. I don't know. <laughs> What's an acceptable? I mean, obviously the Cubs, the Cardinals, the Mets. You can't those, those the Braves. You can't those can't be your favorite NL teams. The Dodgers. The, I, I the like Dodgers. The, I like can't. the Dodgers. I have some LA. Well, I like the Dodgers. I have an LA. Uh, but LA you person. spent time in LA, so. I spent like uh, the, two weeks the Giants, in LA total. The giant Hunter Pence and some of those guys. I, I don't okay. know. The NL sucks. How about that? Fuck the NL. I'm Yeah, that's true. I don't even want to go back. Like they I think suck. that's your first F bomb, like an hour into it. That's a, that's impressive. Did I? I'm I'm just I, I got mad for a second. I don't I'm trying I'm trying to be better. It's acceptable. No, no, they I I don't like any of the NL. The the Nationals? They're kind of cool. They're kind of fun, and nobody really cares because they're and, the old uh, expos. And more people, more people dislike the Nationals because of Bryce Harper, which makes me like them a little bit more. Yeah, I don't really like him either. But um, but that'd be a team like if I was a kid, like that'd be a team like all right, the Nationals, and they're they're going to be very very Harper, good. Harper, Strasburg, oh yeah. for sure, for sure. Um, but I think you're on a slippery slope when you're doing the league favorite teams. Like you can only like one team. You can no, like, that's, you can prefer exactly. you can prefer teams, and when you watch them, you may like secretly root for them. But you can't like actively be a fan of another franchise. I don't in the in the yeah. same league as your team. I, I I don't think that's acceptable. No, if if the Mets and Marlins are playing a game on Sunday Night Baseball, because you know ESPN is going to pull that crap. Like there's going to be one night where it's Mets Marlins, and and I'll be like, yeah, I really. I'd really prefer it if the Mets won this game. It doesn't make me a fan. It doesn't betray my Astros' loyalty. I just hate the Marlins that much. Yeah, I don't like them either. Um, it's their it's their owner. They get a new owner, and and my entire opinion could change. Well, I don't like it's the Lurian. fucking I don't like the rodeo cook off circus act they have in center field. <laughs> I don't know if they got rid of that yet, but I don't know what no, the they hell have that it. spinning dolphin shit is. I, th- that's my main problem. And then, although I did cry when. Uh, Jose Fernandez died, and uh, I like the color scheme. Yeah, you know what? They have some cool hats. I almost bought yeah. a the, their alternate hat one time. It has like it was all black, and it has these cool colors. I was like, that's pretty dope. But then I was like, I'm yeah. not gonna wear a Marlins hat. Like, what am I doing here? And then I left. No, I n- never wear. I will never wear another team's merchandise. But but I can appreciate. Like I, I like their color scheme. That's fine. I've so. got I've got a Dodgers hat. Um, I've got I've got some hats, but I don't really wear them. I, I rock the Strohs nonstop. I think I think we talked about this when at some point last season. But when I worked at the Hall of Fame, like I had a 
I went to a, a bunch of different stadiums and, and I could just never bring myself to buy any, uh, you know, I went to the all-star game in 2006 uh, when it was in Pittsburgh and that was my first, I, I'd been at the hall of fame for like two months and they were like, you need to go to Pittsburgh and do some presentations on the history of Pittsburgh baseball. And I was like, Oh my God. Okay. But the only thing I could bring myself, I wouldn't buy a pirate's hat. I wouldn't buy a pirate's shirt, even though I really thought hard about a, a Willie Stargell jersey but i bought like a 2006 gen- generic like all-star game shirt with the buccaneer on the front like i just i just can't i can't do it i'm not gonna buy another team's crap yeah i mean i understand it i i i just don't care if if the hat's cool and you're not like there's nothing more annoying though than wearing a hat and being out in public and somebody like yeah you you're a blah 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 fan it's like no <laughs> like, I like it matched my shirt. I like this fucking hat. Like I, I don't. That's it. I like this. Hat. I have. So I, I, I got tired of that. So I stopped. I, I have a whole. I probably have almost all of the teams aside. I don't have a Cubs hat. I don't have a Cardinals hat. Good. Um, so I'm not. I'm not a. Uh, and I don't have a Rangers hat. Oh, that's not true. I do have a Rangers hat. What the hell? I bought the. What? I bought the World Series one and put it away in a box. Because it'll never ha- it'll, it. it'll never fucking happen again. Um, but no, well, uh, this is this is a game changer, Pat. I don't. I haven't. I don't wear it. <clears throat> I don't care. I have. I have one. Now that I think about, it, I have. And one that was hat. that was years back. And that was in. That was when I believed that. And this is we're in the in National League. Okay, so this is not. It was different then, and this was when I believed that. Oh, the state pride rules over horseshit. No, I'm I'm completely past it. It's terrible. I hate the Rangers. I hope they. All, I mean, I really hope they're playing crashes like the Marshall football team. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> so there. So how does that counteract me owning a the, World the, Series okay. Rangers hat? I hope. Okay, the, I hope Odor gets shot in the head going through Mockingbird Street. I don't care. I hope. <laughs> I hope their bus runs <laughs> off 45 right in the middle of Dallas and just crashes into that green thing that lights up. I don't like the Texas Rangers. I don't even know why they're in Dallas. It's there because their stadium's out there. I don't yeah. give a shit about them. So anybody who wants to come at me with that, yeah, I bought that hat a long time ago. It was stupid. I apologize. I wish That's fair. I wish death upon I'm ISIS against the, the Rangers. Like <laughs> I've got a flag hanging up behind me. I'm wrapped up. I'm about to behead Cole Hamels. I will behead him. <laughs> what do y'all want? What do y'all want to do? Come at me. Come at me after you listen to this. Come at me with this. I'll behead you. <laughs> Cut this shit right now. That's uh, good. Okay, Stroh's fan I know. Uh who I accurately labeled, I feel as the Brandon Backey of Astros Twitter, you have 10 at-bats against Tony Sipp. How many hits do you get? And Stroh's fan I know says he could get he could hit 300. He could, he could get three hits in 10 at-bats against Tony Sipp. Ooh, I'm a lefty, so this is tough. Um, so I'm probably hitting 600. <laughs> See, I'll be more reasonable about it. I think I could make contact a couple of times. You could, but I don't the think- funny thing is we could not. Tony Sip would make us look, all of us look so stupid that we would have to reevaluate our lives. 
No, no. When I say I, I think I could make contact, I think I could graze a ball that would that would go directly behind me. I think I could be so in front of a ball that I hit it with like the knob of the bat as, on my follow through. I, it's fun. It, it's and I understand what he's doing, and it's it's funny. But but there's like there's a reason that that somebody gave Tony that the that Luno gave Tony Sip eighteen million dollars to pitch. Oh, I just hope he's just get it together, Tony. Can you just, just help us out here? Can you just do that? Can you just get I'll, it together? Come back, go back to that month, those couple months stretch where you were before un, he got his you, contract, where you were unhittable. Do that. Well, I'll shut up. But it's you're very suspect right now. Totally suspect to the point where they're relying on non lefties to get lefties out, which is not the point of paying. A left-handed pitcher, eighteen million dollars. But to be fair, Hinch doing Hinch type things would bring in SIP for non-lefty specialist reasons, and we're just like, "What the fuck are you doing?" Because just because he does whatever he wants, so right. it's like, why are you bringing him to face him? And it's like, oh, he doesn't hit good against lefties, and it's this, I mean, whatever. Uh, Brent Shearer, uh, another another one of my favorites on Astros Twitter at Brent Shearer. Should they change the words to "take me out to the ball game" because Cracker Jacks suck? No, but they do suck. No, that's a classic. They do suck, but no, you don't change. You don't change the words to classics. Sorry, I randomly had a box of Cracker Jack uh, within the last two months, and it was not. It wasn't terrible. No, they're they're bad. He's com- he's completely correct on that. They are not good, but you don't change the lyrics to uh, to, to classic songs. I don't. You can't do that. Um, it's it is a stupid song. If that makes any difference. I know this is very random, but one of my last projects for the Hall of Fame was to work on a 100th anniversary of "Take Me Out to the Ball Game," and of the song of it of it being written. And I know so much. I I can what what everyone sings is the chorus, and I could sing you the first verse if you wanted. Would you like to hear the first verse? uh, Yes. Okay. So here's so everyone sings the chorus. The first verse goes as such, <clears throat> and I'm going to sing it in my like creepiest like 1910s voice. Oh, you're going to so, do it like this in the Cracker Jack box? We're going to talk about crack, this. In the Cracker uh, Jack. Lucky, tri- Lucky Strike Cigarettes with James Yasko <laughs> about to sing the uh, classic song, Take Me Out to the Ball Game for the first time. Here we go, everybody. Everybody, get to your feet. Katie Casey was baseball mad. Had the fever and had it bad Just to root for the hometown crew Every Sue, Katie Blue On a Saturday her young beau Asked her if she would like to go Just to root No Ah uh, oh crap, I messed it up I forgot it uh, hang on. Uh, you're throwing in like interlude music. It's messing me up. I just want to do that too. <laughs> it totally messed me up. Uh, I was already messed up before you threw in the grime rap. But yeah, you, um, you were singing some fucking weird old Irish folk tunes from no, the, it's, the it's Tin Pan Alley. Like, that that uh, was the point. It was it would that was like no, Tin Pan Alley is Stevie Ray Vaughan. That's my Tin Pan Alley. Hmm. Just because that's a very good song of his. That that's like. a good song. Yeah, it is. By Stevie Ray. R.I.P. Rest in peace. But anyway, there, there, that there was are, very good. I was very enthralled by that. I didn't. 
I didn't turn on uh, trap rap be- because of your singing. Yes. All right. So anyway, there's a whole uh, there's a whole point where like a dude is trying to like get with Katie Casey, who is the subject of taking me out to the ball game, and she's like, "Whatever, dude. I want to go to a baseball game." And the dudes that wrote it had never actually seen a baseball game in person. They just knew about it because they were in New York. Oh, the original Ghost Riders. Drake's like, where are these dudes at? Let me write my next hit. <laughs> they can relate. They can relate to the streets, and they ain't even been there. I heard you was a Ghost Rider. What the F happened? See? There was Ghost Riding so, back in the days. That's very interesting stuff. I would um, love to take a nap to it sometime. Uh-huh. Uh, so here's, here's, where we, here's where we rounded out. Um, not with the Astros. What are you? What are you reading? What are you listening to? What? How can we bestow knowledge on the good listeners of Lima Time Time? What? Anything you're? Anything interesting that you're reading or listening to? Like we can give suggestions. No, what I'm, we like. We're pop culture savants, Pat. No, I don't. I don't think the public is ready for what I'm fucking with. I don't really want. Um, I, I do, uh, I would encourage all to read pretty much everything Dave Eggers has ever written. Okay. Probably my favorite author of all time. Uh, great guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but musically. Do you know him? Huh? No, I don't know him. Do you him. know him? Not, well, yeah, from his books. I know him very well. Okay. Um, <laughs> I mean, you're, you're connected. I don't know if you'd met Dave Eggers. No, I would love to meet Dave Eggers. He's a, he wrote my favorite book of all time. Um, but musically, you guys can't even fuck with me, so I don't even want to, uh, I don't even want to. Get into that. Y'all don't even know. Y'all don't even mm. know. Mm. I'm, okay. I'm going that route. All right. It's the last week of spring training. Let's just get everybody through it healthy, except for Colin McHugh, whose arm, because the Astros are who they are, you know, he's dead arm. He's he's coming back from it, but everyone knows that it's going to end up with a torn labrum, and he won't pitch again until 2018. Discomfort. Yeah. The worst word in baseball. I'll say. Uh-huh. I'll say it a million times. I'll say it every episode. Elbow or shoulder discomfort means death. Yeah, especially with this team. Like when Valbuena hurt his hamstring, everyone was like, "Oh, you know." They're like, "Oh, you know, it's it's tenderness," and he never played again. And he never will. Rest in peace. Well, he's all, he's not going to play till May with the Angels. They signed him to a deal. And he hurt the same damn hamstring. So so then in May he hit seven fifty and nine home runs against us and the series but, that we play against them. That's cool. But only against the Astros. Yes. Yeah. Well, that's just. But that's how. That's we we know how that works now. So I'm I'm I'm, all, I'm I've made peace with it. Honestly. Yeah, it's just expected. Yeah, he's gonna kill us. Oh, that's gonna suck. Back to back home runs, Pujols, and uh, oh, he did he retire. No, not yet. Nope. Then nope. Back to back home runs. Pujols, Valbuena to win a game, and we lose. And that's just let's make peace with it now. 